0: So grab your Bible or your Bible app, head to Matthew chapter 3, it's a first book in the New Testament, and we, it kind of seems, accelerate a few years in the matter of a few short days. Uh, last week we celebrated Jesus' birth, actually we've celebrated Jesus' birth for about two weeks now, uh, but now we accelerate to him being roughly 30 years old, and there's actually not a ton of stories about Jesus and his childhood in Scripture, you you hear about him as a child. That uh, him and his parents traveled to Egypt to flee from King Herod. Uh, we read about them traveling to the temple, and Jesus kind of getting lost behind, and and the parents not noticing. Uh, we hear about Jesus reading Scripture in the temple, and those stories are scattered through the four Gospels: Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Actually, Mark doesn't have anything. Mark just goes straight to the baptism. But all of them, all four Gospels, have this baptism in them. And so I think that's something that's important. And so we're going to look at Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 17 this morning. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went I tell you that out of these stones God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with the unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he, meaning Jesus, saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him, and a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him... I am well pleased. At times, we develop various expectations in our life. They can be expectations of maybe a cake that we see on Pinterest that we're going to try to recreate ourselves they could be expectations of things that we have in the future that we're thinking about enjoying and and we build up that event in our mind it could be expectations of the perfect family photo with 5 children under the age of 8 but sometimes the expectations that we have don't meet the reality that Becomes. Maybe we can see that a little bit in this picture. Probably not what the baker of that cake was hoping to have, Eh, but they tried. Each year I have grand expectations of sending out Christmas cards. If you haven't received a Christmas card from me yet, Don't worry, I didn't send any out to anybody. I have grand expectations of writing a letter, of giving people an update of what's going on in my life, in Emily's life, in the life of our kids, and then sending them out. And it just doesn't happen. The reality is we get too busy and occupied with the other things going on. In fact, I was cleaning our office just the other day and I found thank you cards that Emily and I had printed out to send to people after Harper's birth. All of them sitting there in a stack that we had printed out with pictures of her and so on. But things came up, the expectation that we had to send that out, even though we are super grateful for everybody who has cared for us and with us over the last years, we apparently did not meet the reality of the expectation we had in our mind. I think perhaps there's other individuals this year that had expectations about the way things were gonna be and they didn't happen the way they thought they would. I think of my mom. My mom retired the last day of February in 2020. I'm sure she had grand expectations. I'm sure they were thinking, man, we'll go travel and we'll do some things and so on, and did not have a global pandemic in her plan, is my assumption. Hmm. I wonder about the rest of us. Did 2020 happen the way that we had expected? I don't think it necessarily happened the way we expected here at church. Last year, there was a a group of 10 or so people that were meeting somewhat excitedly, thinking about the spaces in our building and what would happen if we would, would freshen them up a little bit since it's been 20 years since the building was constructed. Well, those things have gone on hold and put on the back burner. Maybe not what we were expecting at that time. About a year ago, Mindy and Emily and I began thinking about this sermon series that we're a part of right now, creating great expectation for what could happen. What's going to happen when we have all of the kids' classes learning the same stories that all the third graders and older and the adults are learning on Sunday? What's that going to be like? Well, the reality is we never got to see what it's actually gonna be like because we're not having kids' classes during the service. The reality of the world adjusted the way we were living. And the thing is, John also had an expectation in his mind. John the Baptist, he had an expectation of the way that things were gonna go when the Messiah was gonna come. And and he spoke about that uh, in verses, you know, probably 7 to 12 in the passage that we were just reading. The expectation was that he was to prepare the way for the Messiah, to call people to repentance, to to re-engage their lives with God and and to prepare them for the coming Messiah because there was going to be judgment that was coming. That was in the mind of John. There was judgment coming. You can see it that he, he's going to gather all the chaff together and he's going to throw them into the fire. He's going to separate all the trees that are bearing fruit and he's going to cut down the other ones. He's got his, his axe in his hand. He's got his winnowing fork to take care of everything else. John's expecting Jesus to come in in almost a blaze of glory, announcing his kingship over the world and beginning God's judgment on the world, changing the world entirely. He says, this person who's coming, the Messiah, he's more powerful than me. I'm not even, I'm not even supposed to touch or tie his sandals. I'm baptizing you with water, but he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. John is the guy that's sent to amp up the crowd before the main person gets on. He's the opening act at the concert, getting people ready for what they're really expecting. but then John's expectations are met with something a little bit different. He looks up and he sees Jesus walking to him to be baptized. It's kind of like you have a favorite pastor or author or comedian or something, and you're really excited to see them perform or speak because you heard that they were going to be at a conference or an event that you were going to go to. And then you sit down and waiting, and then you look over and you see them sitting in the seats as well because they're not there to perform. They're there to be a part of everybody else, a face in the crowd viewing whatever else is going on. John was thinking Jesus was going to clean up a mess, and instead Jesus came as almost a wordless person, an actionless person, a face in the crowd just coming to John, not announcing anything, perhaps john was thinking well it's going to start at some point he's going to burst out and say something he's going to, he's going to do something he's going to announce that he's the messiah but jesus doesn't maybe john wonders where was the pitchfork where, where was the axe where were those things that i was just speaking about jesus how come how come this isn't going the way that i expected it to go and perhaps while John's thinking that, Jesus comes up and says, will you baptize me? I, I couldn't imagine being John at this point knowing that Jesus was the Messiah, that you were doing baptisms, but the whole point of this baptism was so that people would repent of their sin. It was a baptism of repentance. But Jesus, the Messiah, was perfect. Why would he need a baptism from me? Well, it's because Jesus... Jesus was going to change the baptism into something else. And he insisted on saying, I needed to be baptized by you. And so the sinless Jesus identifies with the sinful humanity. The Jesus who had never sinned and will go on to never sin identifies uh, in human state, you could say, with a sinful humanity. Jesus being dipped into the same river that those who will follow and believe in him were dipped into as well. The expectation of some coming judgment is changed a little bit. Because instead of focusing on the judgment, we see that Jesus and God is showing us something else. Jesus was submitting to God in the baptism, beginning his ministry. It was almost like an act of ordination upon Jesus. Something that happens at the beginning of pastor's ministries. It happens at the beginning of our elders and deacons that they're ordained for this service, often laying out of hands and so on is involved. Here in this case, we see Jesus submitting to the laying out of hands of, of John, submitting to God's authority to be baptized by John, and coming up, we see, or at least we read, it was only Jesus who saw a dove, The spirit in the form of a dove descending upon Jesus. Light showing down upon Jesus. And Jesus hearing the voice of the Father. You're my son. The beginning of Jesus' ministry that even he himself spoke of earlier in his childhood when he read from Isaiah 61 verse 1. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Jesus begins his vocation as Christ. Christ just means the anointed one. And here Jesus is anointed for his ministry of reconciliation on the earth transforming John's baptism not just to from a baptism of repentance but into a baptism in the fulfilling of all righteousness where people are baptized with the same spirit that Jesus has been given, given the same engine of righteousness, you could say, within themselves. And it's interesting, too, that the Spirit comes in the form of a dove. How come the Spirit didn't come in some warlike shape, a warlike shape of judgment, Instead, it comes in a form of a dove, something that we believe symbolizes peace. I think it says something about what Jesus was going to be bringing about, changing an expectation, changing the expectation of judgment coming to one of peace coming, bringing about grace, Removing that warlike vindictive spirit from our minds perhaps and causing us to see the reality of who Jesus is and what he lives for. And then just like that, Jesus comes as this almost nameless face in the crowd to be baptized by John. He's baptized, he sees the Spirit come down upon him, he hears the voice, and then he leaves. A nameless, faceless person just leaving. No announcement of what was happening. He he leaves, the Spirit drives him away. Elvis has left the building. Right. That's the phrase that people would use to tell the crowd, Elvis isn't here, why don't you just disperse, whatever. This means there's nothing great that's going to happen anymore. He left. And it's interesting that Jesus just leaves. He gets baptized and he just leaves. And just put yourself in John's shoes for a moment. You have been preaching and preparing the way for Jesus to come. There has been this expectation that the Messiah is going to come and it's going to be great and it's going to be grand and you see him, he comes to you, he for some reason wants to be baptized by you and then he all of a sudden just walks out into the desert. I wonder what John experienced the rest of the day as he was, was with all the others who came to be baptized by him. Was he slightly in a daze, wondering what happened when the Messiah just came and left and he continues baptizing those around him? Does he think, well, maybe my expectations were wrong, maybe I I heard the Lord wrong when he told me to send this message, to preach this message of who is going to come, Maybe he wonders why, Je- why Jesus didn't open his mouth and speak to the crowd and-, and begin things right there and then. It would seem that Jesus' appearance shattered the expectations of John of what the kingdom, the new kingdom, was going to look like. And maybe it too sometimes wrecks Our expectations. It's interesting how our expectations of God's kingdom are formed. Yes, it's from scripture too, but it's also how we've been taught about scripture. What we know about kingdoms are affected by what we know about the kingdoms of the world what's going on in the time periods that we live. And and out of all these things, the the history and experiences that we have and scripture that we read, we begin forming our opinion of what the kingdom looks like, perhaps an expectation of what the kingdom looks like and what it doesn't. And that's what John had. John had this expectation of judgment, but that was not the reality that was coming about when Jesus came in person form. Instead, instead of humanity paying the price which was what was expected, instead, it was Jesus who paid the price of the entire humanity. Instead of inflicting judgment on others, Jesus experienced that Judgment himself. And then he extended peace. He gave reconciliation between humanity and God. His great gift to each and every one of us. You know, I'm sure John had many expectations, and and one of them, though, came true. True. John had had said in verse 13 of the chapter we just read that that he was going to baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire and true. That, That would come to pass because it would be the command that Jesus would give to his people. The first word. Jesus spoke in his ministry is his words the saying that he wants baptism from John and the last words that Jesus speak is saying that his followers need to go on and baptize others to teach them all the things that Jesus has commanded. It's a beautiful gift people endowed with the engine of righteousness to live lives for God rather than than for themselves. It makes me wonder, how do we respond to that? How do we respond as we remember the baptism that we've received, the purification that we've been given through Jesus? Do we go through our lives in a daze like John, perhaps, saying, well, this isn't what I expected, and just living life day after day, not really realizing what happened, the significance of what took place. Do we maybe try to convince God we need something else when those expectations don't meet our reality? Do we just try and say, yes, let's take this wonderful word and and what God has given us and stack it in our brain as intellectual properties? And wow, I'm so glad I know that. I don't think it can stop there, though. If we believe in Christ, we can't just stop at, wow, I know him to be my Savior. That's so great. Let's eat some cake. We we don't stop with just an intellectual ascent. Instead, Jesus pushes us to something else. He pushes us to arise something within us by way of that spirit. Arise a love, a grace, a compassion, mercy upon other individuals, people in the same situations as us, but people in different situations as us as well. When our realities are broken, when when our expectations are not met, it's an invitation for us to be led closer to Jesus and to lead others closer to him as well an invitation for us to rely more heavily on the Spirit, the engine of righteousness which has been given to us. It's our invitation to share with others how unmet expectations lead us to the reality of who Christ is. How unmet expectations lead us to the reality of a great, a merciful, a compassionate Savior that brings us peace. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, how it shows ordinary and sometimes mundane things. John didn't see all that was going on when when Jesus, the Spirit, came down upon him when the Word was spoken. To him, it just seemed perhaps like just another baptism that walks away. But it's you, Lord, that take what can seem like the beautiful, simple, mundane, ordinary days and turn them into opportunities to experience the presence of the Messiah, opportunities to share the grace of Savior, Jesus Christ. Help us to live that out each day even if they don't meet our expectations of what we had planned, you still work through what seems to be the ordinary and the mundane. And for that, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.